Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter, and sometimes chapter by chapter backwards. Uh, we're looking at the Psalms today. It's uh, first Monday of the month, and so taking a pause to look at one of these Psalms here. We're kind of counting down backwards, looking at Psalm 21 today. And, and this is a psalm you could look at and you could be like, well, let's see, Psalm of David, you know, what's it talking about? You know, putting a crown on his head and giving him majesty and then, you know, uh, d- swallowing up David's enemies in wrath and consuming them with fire. I, I mean, this this sounds like a kind of, you know, one of these sort of typical um, Semitic, you know, ancient Semitic battle uh, hymns or something like that, right? Uh, but is it is it just that? Is it is it just give success to the king and destroy all the enemies? Um well, there's a little bit more to it, I think. There's a, there's a few parts, really, that I think that we're going to want to spend a little bit of time about, um, I mean, beginning with verse 1, uh, about the emphasis of the name of God, looking at, um, actually, there's a little bit of an interesting verse in verse 4. He asked life of you, you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. You know, what? is this? Is this talking about eternal life in the Old Testament? So there's a few things, really, that we're going to take a look at. And of course, if it's a psalm about David, it's a psalm about our Lord Jesus. So lots of stuff to consider today. And we have one of our regular guests reaching by God's grace. We've got Pastor Kevin Parviz, pastor of Congregation Haiwa Shalom in St. Louis, Missouri, there in Dogtown, in the studio with us today. So good to have you back up on your feet in here with us, Brother Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing all right. We're hanging in there. Actually, you know what? I'm better than all right because I have had two little girls sleep soundly like three days yeah, in a yeah, row. So nice. I'm actually like over the rainbow. You're conscious <laughs> today. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh, but yes. I mean, but how are, how are you doing? I mean, you were just telling me a little bit before before we started the program today, just rehab and just uh, well, you both and and the wife. Just uh, how, how are you guys feeling? Yeah, we're doing pretty well. I, I had a knee replacement. My wife broke her shoulder roughly the same time, so we've just been uh, half a person each and doing fine. It. We both have learned that uh, we can actually work together. So. It's, <laughs> I'm not sure after 41 years if that's a big surprise, but it was to her. So what does that say about me? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, God, God works uh, good from evil, right? Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, and so, uh, yeah. Sometimes, even in these circumstances, right, you're reminded of like, hey, we we really do make a a good team, yeah, right? So yeah. it's been good. You know, we've we've had some good quality time together. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Good, good from evil. Very good. Very good. Well, yeah, looking at this psalm then, um, this is not one that appears in the lectionary. I don't think it's one that uh, people are very familiar with. It's probably the one that people like skim over as they're looking for Psalm 23. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, but um, I don't know. Do you, do you have a little bit more familiarity with this psalm? Like, is, have you seen this one uh, pop up anywhere or maybe does it remind you of um of anything that you've seen i mean we um you know especially when you're studying samuel and chronicles and kings and you and you look at the history of israel we tend to do that kind of chronologically in our congregation yeah this psalm comes up because i i think this psalm was written by david 
after he was delivered from the hands of this rampaging, murderous king that was after him. Mm. And so he's praising God for God's gracious salvation, not just physically, but also there is all this eternal language forever. And and uh, so he's, he's, you know, we spend so many times looking at David crying out for salvation in caves right. everywhere. Right. This is the the end of all of that as far as we can tell and uh, mm-hmm. and he's giving glory to god for the establishment of kingdom right yeah uh, right uh, many of his his psalms are calling out from a cave or from a city refuge up in the mountains or you know he's like on the run or whatever yeah. the case is um but or, or way, way down south in the in the wilderness right and then Getty <laughs> uh, and all of those right. things. Yeah, so. but but here yeah it's actually a triumphant one and yeah and i think that'll be interesting to consider i mean i, I like your suggestion already but th- there is this language of specific thanks actually not just praise but thanksgiving for something that god has done and and so yeah it'll be helpful then when we get to those verses to consider exactly what was david asking for you know like what particular occasion might have been yeah this is almost a a kind of a back a, a glimpse forward to when uh, you know, David wants to build a house for God, and God says, you should build a house for me. I'm going to build a house for you. Uh, and right. so, you know, here's, you, you sort of have the uh, the prophetic foreshadowing of that in this, in the establishment of this kingship that will last forever and obviously culminate in our Lord Jesus Christ and his kingship. Right. Well, yeah, no, that, that that's right. Yeah. We, uh, you have these sorts of phrases and you're like, well, how, how well do they actually fit the original context? Right. And, uh, th- that really opens the door for that, that typological reading mm-hmm. that we've uh, seen so many times in the Psalms. And so, what's nice about this Psalm too, is it's a dialogue kind of, it's, you know, you have two voices, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that, that's right. And, and that's, um, that's actually, that stands out a little bit too, I think. I mean, we, uh, we, we we're kind of more used to where David will be speaking in the third person and then he'll switch to speaking in the second person. Um, but it, it does seem like this is one where it's just not David speaking the whole way, which I mean, that that's kind of a little bit, a little bit different. Yeah. I think that's, that's the case. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how yeah, we go yeah, yeah. in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. All right. Well, yeah, well, let's get into this then. Psalm 21, as we get started, would you say a prayer for us and for everyone listening along today? You bet. Abba Father, we thank and praise you for this day. And uh, I don't know what the weather's like out there in the West Coast, but here in St. Louis, it is glorious. And we thank you for this early harbinger of spring and the promise of new life that comes from that. Uh, Father, especially during this Lenten season, keep us ever mindful of our condition before you without the salvation that you have wrought for us through Messiah Yeshua. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's take a look at this here. Um, let's, let's just go ahead and just take it like piece by piece here. And so I'll just start by reading just the superscription in verse one. And I think that'll just be enough for us to kind of consider, okay, what what sort of psalm are we looking at? We were, of course, saying it's a psalm of David. but no, Probably not um, from a cave, right? Yeah, right, exactly. So yeah. let, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't seem to open up that way anyway. So let, let's take a look here at just the title in verse one here in the English Standard Version. To the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices, 
and in your salvation, how greatly he exalts. So right off the bat, it's very clear. This is a, a psalm of, of praise and, and celebration here. This is a, not one of these, uh, you know, dire, uh, you know, like fr- from the from the cave or, or from the, the stronghold in the mountains. Or And it's not a penitential psalm either, right? We've been looking right. at those a little bit in, in Lent. And of course, uh, Psalm 51, uh, the way that we start off every Lenten season with, with Ash Wednesday. But it, it isn't one of those. This is, a, this is a one of one of uh, celebration, one of thanksgiving. And strikingly, too, the very first word that comes to his mouth is the name of God. Yeah. And there's clearly a structure in place now in the kingship because there's a choir master. Hmm. So, you know, it's if, if he were one of these on-the-run cave kinds of psalms, you wouldn't necessarily have him writing this for the sake of it being sung and performed in the in the celebration of the tabernacle well, well you know that, that that's a good point i mean and we i think we've i'm not sure i'm not sure if, if you and i particularly have looked at one of these that that has that in the superscription before that um i'm not saying but mm-hmm. I, I mean i guess either way whether you, you take it as like it's um you know he's writing it for a particular uh, person who's in charge of things in the temple, or if that's the name of the tune or yeah, I mean, whatever the case is, it, it's hard, it's hard to know, but kind of the way, like you were saying, this, this isn't one of these, like this, this thing that he's saying this one time, just, just him by himself. There is um, already a, a sense of this is meant to be something that's not just for David. And I, and I think that's, that, yeah. that comes through in the language too. I'm not just venting here. This is for you, the people, too. Right. Well, and I think you get that actually a little bit in in this verse one. Striking. Um, you know, sometimes this stuff just just uh, gets kind of leveled um, in in English translation, uh, but here it's striking that it, it's in your strength the king rejoices, and it's the king, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then in your salvation, how greatly he exalts, and so. The, the, the two things that strike me about this language is that one, he, he's uh, referring to, I guess, himself basically in the third person, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which is striking and, and it really favors the point you were just making, which is that it's not just, you know, uh, you know, Lord Yahweh, like you have blessed David, right? Or you have saved me, right? This is, you have, you're in your strength, the king rejoices, right? You've done something for the king, idea being right you you do something for the king regularly whether it's me or whether it's my son after me or whether it's you know the king after him right and and so i think it complements what you were saying that it's uh, bigger than just him there's an office that's in view and and then maybe even more than that right both both clauses here in your strength and your salvation this seems to be the the point of emphasis that it's not about any one particular king, except right. for it's about the Lord God who is the king. Yeah, and he and he sets those two things up as you know almost parallels, strength and salvation. Yes, well, and and that's a, strikingly right. They actually are parallel, and I, I don't know. It, it's it's very common, right? Just speaking of uh, Psalm fifty-one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to in, in Hebrew, as you know, to have the chiasm where you say something like you know. Uh, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, 
and in sin did my mother conceive me, right? Where you switch it around, mm-hmm. right? And so in the first line, in um, in iniquities at the end, second line, in sin is at the beginning, right? It's that nice kind of crisscross pattern. And that's very common, but here you don't have that. Yeah, it's, it's straight parallelism. It's imp- straight, straight, straight parallel, which I think for, for Hebrew just means it, it's really emphatic, like, it's in your strength, not anyone else's. It's in your salvation, not salvation from any other ally or any other source. Yeah, and of course the 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 parallelism is it continues with him as well. The king rejoices; he how greatly he exalts. So you have mm-hmm. you have God's work and our response. Hmm. Hmm. So, so by putting all those things together, then you, you just really, you know, by by putting the name of God, very first word out of His mouth, uh, by putting this in emphatic parallel, by talking about it like like the King, right? Um, just all, and as you were saying, just you know, this isn't a one where the first line kind of means one thing and the second line means something significantly different. It's it's kind of basically the same idea. All of that is just very much like this is bigger than just me. You are doing something uh, for for this office for your king, and that's not just a, a person. It's it's a it's a part of your people. It's a part of your design. So just a very a very broad look at the specific things that are happening in his life. Yeah, and and of course for the people as well, because the kingship. This is a nation of priests who are to call the nations to God's glory. And so this is not just the one who heads. And we have to always keep this in mind that this was a rebellious people who cried out for a king other than God. Right. And and so David knows that condition. And he's he's not like Saul. He is a servant of the true king. Right. Yeah, and, and that is something that we do see throughout, right? David's Psalms that you know, you, you have um, just this this really keen awareness that I mean, I mean, and we saw it when we were looking at Psalm twenty three, right? You know, it's uh, he's using that shepherd metaphor, and and he's like, well, you know, you know who the shepherd is? Well, it's it's the Lord. He's my shepherd, right? He's the shepherd, um, and just where, wherever you go, it's just there's this awareness of yeah, I'm I, I'm the king today in this spot for right now, but I, I'm really just kind of keeping the seat warm for somebody else. And that's that the the role and the office of the holy ministry, and that we we are. I mean, you know, I've I've heard people use the language, and they do it somewhat. I suppose I think it it turns off members. But in if we think about it, Christ's vicar on earth, that yeah. that whole phrase that is the office of the holy ministry. We're merely occupying an office representing the one who truly is the yeah. the shepherd, the pastor, the the king. And well, that's right. And that's, I mean, and that's the way that, I mean, the apostles spoke. That's what they meant when they used the term in the name of, right? right. Like when they went, when Peter ordered something in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? It meant, well, I, I'm here doing that on behalf of Jesus. And, and and that's what we do when, when we're at the front of the church Sunday morning or or whether it's in, in a private setting either. And, and we say, you know, um, you know, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean that's what in the stead means, right? And yeah. I'm standing here in his place, right? And and that's and only and that's by not, his authority. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And that's right. And that's not that's not a that's not a proud statement, right? And I, I, I agree with what you were saying that sometimes people are like, Oh, look at you know, like 
it's just authoritarian patriarchy, you know, this sort of thing. Um, but I mean, the whole idea, right, of, of being the vicar and standing in someone's place is, hey, it's not my own authority. I'm not, I'm not the star of the show here. There's something else that's going on. I am just speaking for somebody else. I'm just the messenger. Yeah. So, yeah, certainly um, just all of that, uh, just from the very first verse, framing this idea, he, he is just there, r- really just the, the messenger, the representative of something much bigger than himself. And that's that. keeping that in mind is going to help us understand everything that follows. So let's take a look at the next verse here, though, because this as much as big as verse one already is verse two seems to get, you know, to your point, maybe a little bit more specific. So verse two, then you have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. So we, we switch, we switch tenses. We switch from kind of this um, habitual or even future thing where it's kind of like, this is what's going on. This is what's going to happen tomorrow. Also, right. That kind of sense to specifically, you have done this. Like I asked for something and that's what you did. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it gets both, right? Like it ties together the general with the specific. And I mean, it, it seems like David prayed for something and he got what he prayed for. Yep. And if you take it in the context of those cave prayers, this would be the culmination of that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think and, and, we're going to miss the Salah there at the end of verse 2 because, oh uh, yeah, you know, we we don't really, you know, everybody, nobody knows what this means. And there's, well. in, the, in the study Bible, it talks about it has something to do with harps and this is a musical term. It may well be. I, I, I can't speculate on that. But one of the things that's interesting is early on somewhere, I actually did a study and looked at the the places where every Selah was in the Psalms. Yeah. And uh, they, it seems to be almost an exclamation point uh, huh. I, I, I pay attention to. And, mm. and this is God's provision. Um, you know, and the, and the heart of the king, which is his heart's desire. You've given me my heart's desire, which is to exalt and praise you because of your strength and salvation. Well, it is really interesting that this is the only um, instance of Selah in yeah. this psalm, right? Um, and I, I feel like, I mean, and I guess this is interesting, I, I want to like find your, your study or your paper now, but I, I feel like from my recollections anyway, usually when you see this, it kind of happens a few times in a psalm, almost as if it's kind of like breaking things up into to, to subunits yeah. or refrains or yeah, something like that. But but here it's it's just once, just after these first two verses. And I think I think I think it's I think I've told my congregation you, and we have to remember this is part of the text, uh, right? So and as is the superscription, right? Whenever you read that, just just pay attention to what that point is. Because yeah. that's going to be a, 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 a uh, going to be the central key to the psalm. I think that's just my take it for what it's worth. Yeah. Well, I can see that though. I feel like if you look at just these first two verses, I feel like this is an introduction, which in some ways kind of summarizes the whole rest of what follows, mm-hmm. right? Because if you if you look at this, right, just first one two together. O Lord, in your strength, in your in your strength, the King rejoices, and in your salvation. How greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's tire and have not withheld the request of his lips. Silah. Like 
that that seems to be like, hey, this is this is kind of the whole thing in a nutshell. That there's this ongoing rejoicing that's bigger than just David. It's it's for between God and His people. God is the true King because God does intervene and save in these specific instances by answering prayer. I mean, just just that altogether that kind of sets the logic of everything else that mm. follows. Like you you really if you if you read the rest of what follows in some other in some other way that that doesn't line up with those first two verses probably an indication that we're, we're going astray and we're, and we're not reading it rightly. Yeah. Because it would be very easy to read three on through seven as, um, you know, almost a wealth prosperity kind of, uh, a, a Psalm, if you will. But I think if you read it in the context of one and two, uh, the request of his lips is not the crown of fine gold. It's not the, you know, the length of days forever. It's not the way it's, it's that I praise you for your, your strength and your salvation. Well, yes, no. And that, and that is really important to take a look at because you you do have some very, um, you know, rich, yeah. I mean, rich Royal, um, I mean, what's a good word for abundant, right? Mm -hmm. Prosperous, right. Kind of language. But is that, is that the, is that the point, right? Or are we uh, maybe focusing on that too much um, if we're if we're kind of finding our eyes drawn there? So well, let's take a look at those two verses here that that follow up um, because it, this this will be big, and we we'll want to we only have a few minutes before our break, so we want to talk a little bit more when we get back too. But just these next two verses, then three and four. For you meet him with rich blessings; you set a crown of fine gold upon his head. He asked you, you gave it, he asked life of you, you gave him length of days forever and ever. So it's interesting because three and four seem to kind of almost repeat one and two in that they, you kind of start verse three is this kind of general ongoing. This is what God does. This is what he'll keep doing. Right. Um, With this, with this idea of like the blessings and the crown, and then verse four, it's again back to the idea of, hey, there was a specific prayer and there was a specific request. So it's very similar to one and two, um, yet it it seems to get amplified. Or, or even, um, I would argue that we could read this without the context of one and two as that God showers blessings upon us for our faith. Hmm. And that's not the point, I don't think. I think this is, and I think that's that's why one and two, and I think that's the place of that salah, is to say this is not about the blessings. These are just the this these are just the way the Lord treats the ones He loves. But our our focus is on Him and His strength and salvation. Right. Well, and that's a of course that's a really. Uh, fine point for Lent, and I know that, uh, yeah. like for instance, at at our congregation at St. Paul's, on we're, we're we're going, we have a sermon series for Lent, and we were looking at uh, at Job on Ash Wednesday, yeah. and of course, right? I mean, like, I mean, is there any better example of this? Well, I mean, of course, outside of the New Testament, um, where you know you have a righteous man, right? You know, loved by God, um, who clearly does not just get you know blessed uh, with with a crown of refined gold and and all the rest, right? So. Like you were saying, this isn't you know meant to be like, hey, look at this. This this is um you know God saying that you know if if you're if you're with Him, then you get all this you know wealth and prosperity. But like you were saying, it, it reading in this context here, well, can't get to one and two, and 
the picture starts to look a little bit different. As I said, we got to go into our break here, but uh, hold that thought. Everybody, we're looking at Psalm 21 here on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right back. Hi, folks. This is Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Join us for the March on the Arch, Saturday, March 7, a pro-life event for you to confess your belief that life is a sacred, sacred thing. Check-in begins at 11 a.m. and a rally at 1230, and then marching from the West End at Planned Parenthood to the Arch in St. Louis. Check out lcms.org slash marchforlife, lcms.org slash marchforlife. Did you know that many LCMS military personnel and their families are unable to receive word and sacrament ministry due to the lack of LCMS chaplains? Ministry to the Armed Forces is looking for pastors who will answer the call to serve as a chaplain to provide word and sacrament ministry to the men and women who selflessly serve our nation. Find out more about this exciting ministry by contacting me, Chaplain Craig Mueller, at lcmschaps at lcms.org. That is lcmschaps at lcms.org. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Psalm 21 today. We're joined by Pastor Kevin Parviz, pastor of Congregation Chaiwa Shalom in Dogtown in St. Louis, Missouri. If you have a question for us and you're listening live, you can give us a call, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis or Dogtown, a question for me or Pastor Parviz, 314 314- Eight two one oh eight five zero, or you can always send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Also, we thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support. Their website is lhfmissions.org. All right, so we were just looking at verses three and four and, and seeing how they, they mirror verses one and two in a lot of ways. And um, Pastor Parviz was just pointing out that, yeah, it's it's you can't just read these out of context and say, look, look at all the, the awesome stuff that, that God does for faithful people, right? Crowns of gold and rich blessings. Right? No, it, it's connected back to one and two. And and uh, as we were saying earlier, if one and two are trying to say, hey, look, it's not just about David, it's not just about one person, then what emerges is that, you know, this isn't like, oh, well, God gives long life and gold to to every individual who calls on his name, but he, this is the stuff he does for the sake of the whole people. This is the stuff um, that he does for the Messiah for the sake of the whole 
people. I mean, you got to look at the big picture, right? Right. This is uh, this is what we would call the church, what might be called Israel. It is the people of God. And and I don't think and I think you made this point in the setup to this. You don't want to lose the 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 uh emphasis on resurrection and eternal life here. Either. Well, yeah, so take it take us through that because this is interesting. We've um you know, because these different phrases for you know what I mean it's the phrase the length of days, right? And, th- and this is one of those phrases where depending on what translation you have open, right? It'll it'll say length of days or it'll say um you know forever and ever, you know, like uh, I think I'm trying to remember if this was actually in Psalm 23 now that I think about it. I think that um, what was it at the end of Psalm 23? It's I shall dwell in the house house of the Lord. Yeah. For length of days, la orek yamim. And that's, I mean, it's interesting because uh, I don't know, the traditional translation is uh, forever (laughs) there, but so, so yeah, so there's all these different terms. and, And when we looked at Psalm 23, not too long ago, we said, well, in that context, it seems like the point is like, um, you know, David's saying like, oh, that I would just be in this temple for the rest of my life, right? So, okay, I mean, so forever, when, when did it, what, yeah, well, yeah, yeah not necessarily yeah. forever. So so when does it mean forever and when does it mean, uh, you know, uh, just for the rest of his life and got both? So, you know, what, what so what do you make of that? I mean, I, I would argue if we take this as a psalm praising God for delivering him from all of his... Uh, Fear psalms, if you will, the, the 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 cave psalms, however you want to call those. He he asked for life. He can yeah. he did that often. He often asked for God to spare his life, right. and in that he's asking for his life in the context of now, right? Right. Uh, and you gave it to him, but you gave him more. You gave right. him length of days forever and ever, and there's that emphasis in that. I mean, it is not just that God preserves our life today, but he gives us an eternity with him. Uh, and I think that's what David is discovering here. I think discovering is a nice way of putting it, right? Because, you know, it's when you read David, and of course, this is a very, this is an interesting thing, right? Because when the apostles, right, start preaching on Pentecost, um, where do they go to, to, to like find this precedent, right? Or this, even this prediction, Right of the Lord's resurrection, well, they, they go to the Psalms. They go to David's Psalms, yeah. right? I mean, and that's just striking that, you know, as we confess in the Nicene Creed, right, that our Lord was raised uh, according to the Scriptures, right? Well, like, what Scriptures are we talking about? And that and that's really, <laughs> that's a really interesting question, because, I mean, there's nothing in the Old Testament that's, like, just really explicitly, like, the Messiah is going to be crucified and, and then he's going to be raised on the third day. Uh, that's, that's why everyone was surprised because no one saw it coming. Right? But, but you do have these, these moments that it seems like David is, maybe he's not, to, he's not totally, uh, you know, grasping it, but he seems to be discovering something. He seems to be on to something, Right. Yeah, I think when we're in times of stress and pain, all we really think about is now. Yeah. But when yeah. we're delivered from the now, we get to discover the ever. Right. Right. Yeah, no, and and it's and it's uh and yeah, as you're discovering that, right? I mean, your your view is still uh, you know, n- narrow. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, like wow, I mean, it's like I I I got out of this mess. 
And, you know, maybe we, we think to ourselves, like, you know, I, I hope this this period of health lasts a little bit longer than the last one. Right. And like, yeah. I, I hope that I don't go like, you know, uh, you know, needing another knee replacement or breaking <laughs> a shoulder again anytime soon. Right. Can we have a couple of years without anything weird like that? Right. You know, and uh, we, we, we think small scale even even afterwards. But but yet yeah, there is there is this this sense of. I mean, I think here, here's like what I what I think about it. I mean, I, I do think that length of days, I do think that that basically means like for the rest of one's life. But then, as you said, um, the last part there, like uh, I mean, which is alom wa'ed. I mean, that's, I mean, that is forever and ever. Mm-hmm. So, I think, I mean, the way that I want to read it again is, you know, this isn't just David. It's not just one particular king. So I feel like what, what's going on here is he's saying like, hey, look. This is what you always do, God, and this is in fact what you will always do. That you you hear the prayers of your King, of your Messiah. You answer his prayers. You save you save him. You spare his life, right? You take care of him and you watch over him the the length of his days, the rest of his life, and that is what you will do forever. You will do that for me. You will do that for my son. You will do that for the King after him. I, I think that there is this idea of God's always going to be doing this it's not like he's just playing favorites and david's really awesome but this is the steadfast love of the lord god who's always looking out for his people which i mean i feel like in that sense really anticipates the messiah because if god's going to keep doing this again and again right there's got to be there's got to be something kind of guaranteeing this line something bigger than david that guarantees that this line's going to keep going on and certainly there's a, I mean, I don't, God certainly gives us through even prior to this, prior to David, through Moses, he, he gives us this, you know, in his sorrow for the fact that we sin, he yeah. he threatens or he desires to just wipe us from the face of the earth. And yet there's right. always an intercessor. And the yeah. intercessor says, Lord, what will the other nations think? Right. And 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 he and he preserves his church, he preserves his people, and he will do that and, and the gates of heaven will never be assailed, right? Right. Uh, and so uh th- there is that sense of it's not just David and his line, but it's his it's the entire people. That's right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's um and I think that's even you see that a little just a little bit in just the way it's even worded, right? That that there is this sense of when God, you know, answers these prayers and he when he gives the king what he asks for, I mean, it's really giving the whole people what he's asking for, right? Yeah. And in and and those words, right, again, you know, this is uh, kind of back to that, you know, this is kind of pulling out like the, the soapbox a little bit, but again, like when it says, you know, he delights and he rejoices, those aren't private emotional words, right? Like right. back in verse one, I mean, this these are these are public celebrational uh, communal words right he he is he is rejoicing and celebrating right with the people of israel right and he is delighting he is taking pleasure and enjoying and sharing the goodness right with his subjects i mean all these words are talking about a celebration that the king invites the rest of the people into i mean it, it's certainly for the whole people and there's no question as you get to the even though I think the second voice is I, I think in a sense David here in the second voice if if this is God's response David is a type of 
of of Jesus. I mean, he mm-hmm. is anointed king, and Jesus is going to come from his line. So you, whenever you're reading for David, you have to also read for Yeshua. Uh, and, right. uh, th- and that's really, really, I think, powerful in verse 7, which we'll get to. Uh, well, yes, yes. And, and you want to make sure you're reading it on both levels and— yeah. And it is, and it is interesting when you do look at verse four and you read this in terms of Yeshua, as you were just saying, you know. Um, so what does the Davidic line just go on and on forever and ever, like it says, right? Like there's a king, there's a king, there's a king, there's always a new king, right? Yeah. Well, now, well, not exactly, right? Like at some point, there seems to be there's there's no more kings after a certain point. So how does this get fulfilled? Well, hang on, there's one other way God could do this. God could just make the last king in the line of David eternal, right? right? I, I mean, and so that that I think is is the big twist that um, that l- the rest of his life and the length of days would be the same thing as forever and ever into eternity. I mean, I mean, really that that both those things come together then in the resurrection of, of the Lord Jesus. That when His prayer is answered, it's not just that God you know, saves his life, like, oh, okay, well, it was close. I almost was crucified by those Romans, right? Right. No, right? Like, he, he, that's the crazy thing, right? So by by him answering the prayer this time, he actually lets him be killed by the Romans, but then saves his life forever afterwards, right? I mean, so, so it's a, it's a twist when it gets fulfilled, um, where, where just all the promises come together, everything that we've seen, like, in verses one through four, um, in total fulfillment then, in the resurrection of the Messiah, the King of the line of David, and Jesus. We, and we have to recognize that this King, even David, is not a King in the sense of like Queen Elizabeth in England or any earthly monarch, but he is a a, a King that is an intercessor for his people. That's right. Uh, he he is he is the 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 voice of. God to the people and the voice of the people to God. And right. so um, it's a different kind of kingship than maybe what we think yeah. of in our in our sort of governmental yeah. bodies. Well, no, that's that's exactly right. And so taking it back to, to the, the first verse, right? And the Lord has his prayer answered and his life is not only really spared, but um, saved and resurrected, right? He, as the king, celebrates and rejoices in the strength of God, right? And he delights in, in by inviting us to delight with him, right, in the salvation of God. And so, I mean, that, that really just points to how if if that was what our, our Lord was going to have happened to him then, um, that he would be uh, raised and be the fulfillment of this, what David's talking about, then that means that the people of Israel get to share in that. Right. So, I mean, there was there was never any thought that like, oh, well, Jesus was just like a really great prophet. And so he was granted eternal life because, you know, if you kind of get to like, you know, level 100 or something in spirituality, like you transcend this plane or something, right? Like, no, it's, it's, he's resurrected as a blessing to whole people. And I think that, you know, if I go back to you know, Luke, Luke in uh, chapter 24 on the road to Emmaus, where Jesus is teaching his disciples, I think he said something a few minutes ago that they were surprised when this happened because there's nothing. And yet, keep in mind, when Jesus is opening the eyes of these disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he taught them everything about himself from the scriptures, the scriptures are the Hebrew scriptures. 
Yep. Those were not, you know, the New Testament was not in place at that point, right? <laughs> it wasn't using Paul. Yeah, so, so the reality that God has never made this stuff secret is just that we always look at things, you know, I think our our natural temptation is to see things from a surface perspective rather than understanding what the actual meaning is. Yeah. And and, it's, well, and it wasn't yeah. until Jesus where we saw, oh, that's what all that meant. <laughs> Right, I mean, right. You can't read the suffering servant passages with now without Jesus, unless right. for some reason you're poorly taught by our rabbis in the synagogues. But that's the hardness of heart that Paul talks about. Well, well, yes, it's the hardness of heart, and it's. I mean, it is like the the mysteriousness or the hiddenness that he talks about too. That it's just as you were saying, it's. God seems to have hidden these things in, in plain sight, so to speak, right? Mm. Um, that they were there in the Hebrew scriptures, but it, it was only by the light of Christ and him opening our minds to it that we're going to Yeah, and the power of the Holy Spirit. It. I mean, it is, right. certainly is the Holy Spirit that fills us and gives us That's right. understanding. And, you know, so you can't, you can't be too harsh on people who received no. the word and didn't get right. it. Because we don't get no, it no, now no. sometimes, right? <laughs> That's no, no, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah I, I, I always tell people that, like, don't, don't, don't think for a second that we would have done any better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think we would have. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and um, finish out this this first little section here. Then these ne- this next pair of verses in six and seven here. So, for you make him most blessed forever. Actually, I think I skipped a verse. Let's go back. Five, it's verse right. five. Thank you. Okay. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. And that's All right, that, so, that last verse 7, yeah. when we think about David the man, we yeah. see him moved all the time. I mean, he's constantly <laughs> screwing up and having to come before the Lord. So how how could that be? That 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 is the 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 prayer of his heart. But we know that's only fulfilled in Messiah, right? Well, no, no, certainly. I mean, like even I mean in the the Psalms, right? Like he he's just you know I you know I can't bear this load. Yeah. The hand of God is heavy upon me because of my sin. Like my. My sins are, they're up to my neck. They're going over my head. I'm about to stumble and fall. I'm about to collapse, right? I mean, Dave, it's on David's own lips, right? right. That that he is, like you were saying, he's getting moved all the time. Um, but, I mean, it, it's, I, I guess, right, right. Like, it's it, in that bigger per- perspective, right? Even if a particular man um, isn't living up to what we had hoped we would have from the king, right? God is still at work and he's still i mean he he's still going to see his people blessed and cared for despite the failings of the under shepherd and he will not be moved yeah right and yeah. and one could argue that i mean i don't know if david ever expressed doubt um there seems to be in the psalms sometimes when he expresses a little doubt but one i think david always understands the the majesty of god he just really struggles with the frailness of flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, right? Like it's, if you, yeah, if you see any kind of apparent lack of blessings, it's not as if God has run out. It's just that, you know, to, to use Augustine's phrase, is that we're, we're leaky vessels, right? Yeah. So God's 
pouring out this abundance of oil and, and water and, and spirit and wine, right? All these images of what God pours out in abundance, but we're just, we're just leaking. Um, and so it's, it's only our own fault that there's any lack. It's not that God was being stingy in any, in any way. Amen. Yeah. So, I mean, it does seem to cap off this section here because, you know, you have like a pair of verses, pair of verses, pair of verses, and then uh, verse seven just sort of kind of like ties a bow on it, right? By, by ending it on, on this uh, note of trust, right? Which, as you said, it, on, on the one hand, it's like, well, you know, was, was David like really like always, you know, trusting in, in the Lord, right? You know, was, was he really as like, you know, uh, unshakable, in his faith, right? You know, as, um, as this verse might have you think, but I mean, I, I think it's, um, I think you're kind of already kind of pointing us this direction that the, the emphasis here isn't so much on, on David's like resoluteness or firmness of faith or his conviction. Right. But it's, it's on God again, that wh- where do you put your trust? Right. You know, it's, uh, you know, think of, uh, one of those Psalms of the ascents, right. Where, where it says, right. uh, you know, from where does my help come? I look, my eyes look up to the hills, right? I mean, so the, the question is not like, you know, oh, he, yeah, he's so trusting, but like, what? Well, who are we to trust in? You know, Lord, to whom shall we go? Well, it's it's the Lord. It's the Most High. He's the only way we're going to be um, having any kind of uh, steadfast security that we can trust. Mm-hmm. And it's all about what God does and not about what we do. Exactly. So... With that verse, that really nicely does make the transition. And yeah, I, I, you know, it does seem like this is then kind of appropriately focusing on God as, as the one that he would be the one speaking. But let's, let's just go ahead and take a few of these verses and see what we, we make of it. So here's like, say, um, like eight, eight through 10. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as a blazing oven when you appear. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth and their offspring from among the children of man. Okay. So, yeah, so we, so we, switch, we switch the voice, so it's second person now. Um and, and, and yeah, but then the, the question is, so who, who is it that's, that's talking now? Is this, is this still David talking to God or is it, um, you know, God actually answering David back? And, and, and I think not just David, but also the Davidic kingship. And right. I, I can't read, for example, 10 without listening to God's curse on the serpent. Mm, and yeah. and this enmity between the the fruit of the woman and the fruit of evil, um, yeah. you know this that's that their offspring will be destroyed. You know, there's a lot of talk in this psalm about the you know, the fact that uh, God seems so retributive against those you know who He sent. Um, they they sent the Jewish people into Canaan and they said destroy everything, even the animals, um, right. and and doesn't want to give us any. Uh, um, you know, anything that's going to tempt us or, or move us away from our focus on God. But the reality is that God has always poured out his wrath on evil. And he right. finally did it in such a way by pouring it out on his son, who he, he poured out his wrath on Christ for our sake, rather than pouring his, out his wrath on us anymore. Right. Well, and, right. And that's really, the, of course, the, the most scandalous thing that 
you know, as in verse eight, you know, your hand will find out all your enemies that, that God would, I mean, in his son, uh, become his own enemy, mm. right? That he would make yeah. his son an enemy of God in, in this very mysterious and paradoxical sense, right? Like the, the idea that, you know, he becomes the curse, he becomes the enemy, right? I mean, that, um, that, that word there, right? Like that, that Oyev, I mean, basically means the same thing as Job, um, that it's, he, he becomes the ultimate Job, right? Where he has, he treated as if he's God's enemy, though he is righteous. Mm. And, and the, the, and of course for this season, this is so very poignant, but, uh, as we march our way through Lent on the way to, um, frankly, Holy Week and Palm Sunday and the events of that lead up to that, uh, to that crucifixion, we know that David was not always successful and certainly not the, the human Davidic line. Uh, you know, it's only going to last really primarily two more generations before Israel and Judah get separated and everything goes sideways there. Um, but, um, ultimately in the cross, those who God has wrath against will be destroyed from the earth, uh, the offspring from among the children of man. He, he does remove that. And, uh, yeah, ultimately that, well, that's, uh, not yet. And that will ultimately happen in the second coming, if you will, of, of our Lord when he comes to judge. But, um, this happens, yes, for a time in David's kingship, but certainly it does for all time through Christ. Right. Well, and I and I appreciate it takes me back to what you were saying too. Like at the end of verse ten, just the the language is very similar to what yeah. you have in Genesis, yeah. right? I mean, you got that the the word offspring, seed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the last word of verse uh, verse ten is um, Adam, yeah. you know, mankind, right? I mean, so. It really is. I mean, if if sounds if it sounds harsh, right? Like like oh, like oh, yes, David, or, or you know, kind of house of David in the way that Isaiah spoke, right? right. To uh, Ahaz, right? Like so, the, the whole how in the whole um, office of Messiah. Um, you know, if it sounds harsh that we're gonna you know destroy them and you know with an iron rod you will you know break them into pieces like pottery and all the rest of scripture, right? Well, it's it's only because that's kind of part of God doing this to ultimately all of humanity as we are under the curse um, of death, under the curse of the law, which we have broken and brought on ourselves, right? Um, and then so, just as you were saying, it's it's ultimately then consummated in the the death of the Lord Jesus atoning for us and in ultimately the death and rebirth of the entire world at the resurrection on the last day. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we, we need, we're running out of time here, but if, if we take a look at these last three verses, I think that just complements this idea of, of, you know, focusing on what was going on with David, but then also the, this big picture fulfillment of this death and resurrection idea. So just the last three verses here, verse 11, though they plan evil against you, though they devise mischief, they will not succeed for you will put them to flight. You will aim at their faces with bows. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. So a lot, a lot of, you know, so again, like verse 11 and 12, we were just saying this, right? 
so you you could read this as like yeah you know god's gonna you know spare the life of his messiah and give him victory in battle right it's kind of the, the image but ultimately again like when it came to the lord jesus um you know peter pulls out his sword right to, right. to put his enemies to flight right and then jesus says well no put that away what are you doing right um so and, and of course they plot evil right against him you know you see that very early on in the gospel accounts they're, they're plotting evil like in mark like in chapter like three or something like that uh, the evil plots are from the very beginning and they do seem to succeed but then ultimately there's just this reversal and it's i, I think because of the reversal and the, and the amazing once and for all fulfillment that the voice shifts one more time in verse 13 right, right. where it's everybody all of god's people celebrating the victory that they all share in now Exactly. And those are promises, in, especially in uh, 10, 11, and 12, promises of God to destroy evil. And then 13 is our great response to that. Right. So it's, you know, yes, the Lord Jesus has been raised, but that's that's not something that's just oh a good thing that God did for him because he was so spiritual, but a blessing for all of us. We all who are in his name, taking it back to that, right? Because we're all ultimately in his name through baptism. We all share in it. Yep. And we all sing and praise his power. Right, yeah. Taking us back again, there's that strength word too to the back to the first verse. Yep. So there there there's the chiasm. There we go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> all right, brother. Thank you so much. It was so great having you back. And yeah, we're just uh yeah, pray, praying for you and Colleen that you guys uh yeah. get back to Thank full you so strength much. real soon. Thank you. Give Gabby our love and we'll talk to you later. All right. Mm-hmm. Will do, brother. Bye bye. Bye bye. Everybody, that was Pastor Kevin Parviz, pastor at Congregation Chaiva Shalom in St. Louis, Missouri, there in Dogtown. Looking at Psalm 21 today, moving back on to Zechariah when we come back next time. Until then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.